So what are the effects of unresolved grudges? They can be very serious to your health, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health. You can become physically ill. Uh, you could certainly become mentally ill, I think, if it's a long, unresolved grudge. You get really bitter towards the person. You, um, you have a bad outlook on things in general. And um, I, don't, I just think that you don't wake up in a good mood every day if you hold a grudge towards someone. I think forgiving is a good thing to be doing. Um, can't tell you any positive ones, I suppose. No? How about any negative ones? Yeah, sure. I mean, just kind of the obvious, you know. It's a sort of a waste of time. It has a uh, stone in the water circle effect, ripple effect on, out to the children and the family and things like that. Welcome to Unoffendable. You ever wake up and have this thought? Good morning, America. What are we going to be offended about today? You ever have thoughts along these lines? I am a citizen of the offended states of America. Everything I say may be held against me, walking on eggshells in the days of political correctness. Who's going to be the first person to say this? Maybe you have been that person. Unoffendable, we're in a six-week series teaching this, but looking deeply at scriptures on this subject rather than human opinion. Today we're going to talk about how to stop taking offenses, which the way to prevent things is better than dealing with things after the fact, right? Prevention is better than curing. That's what Jesus did. He cured diseases, but he gave commands that prevented a lot of problems. He gave commands that healed relationships while he healed physical conditions. Sometimes he did things and said, go and sin no more. And other times it wasn't related to a sin. So the way to stop taking offense is to know our position. Anybody ever play sports? The coach will say, get in position! <laughs> get in position. And I think many times we're easily offendable because we forget our position. And today we want to talk about the prepositions of our position. We want to know our position by Christ, in Christ, to Christ, through Christ, and with Christ. In our bulletin today are notes. I want you to keep in your Bible at all times and meditate on these scriptures and look up their context and get to know this truth because it will make you an unoffendable person because you know who you are, how to stop taking offenses. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. But before we go there, I just want to look at a verse in chapter 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Anybody here receive Jesus as your Lord? As we have, now we're to walk in him, in his ways, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith 
as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So why do we worship Jesus? The fullness of God is in him. And he is the head of all principality and power. He is God. He goes on and talks about the error of going back under Torah law. That we are justified by faith. Who knows we're justified by faith. We're grafted into Israel. We are Hebrews by faith through the faith of Abraham, not Moses. Jesus was the seed of Abraham promised to him that would bless the nations, the families of the earth. So the faith that saves us is the faith like the faith of Abraham, the faith that God gives us. And so he gets into uh, how Jesus took the handwriting of ordinances, the law that was against us, and nailed it to his cross, and how that feast days, festivals, uh, Sabbaths, and new moons are things that point to Christ. They're shadows, but we have the real deal. And so in marriage, if your spouse doesn't have a shadow, there's a problem, right? <laughs> but if you're only in love with your spouse's shadow and not your spouse, you've got a problem. And so it's important that we not go back under the law, but that we stand in the righteousness which has been given us through Christ. That's not a call to just live any old way, but it's a call to follow Jesus and to let sin go. Verse 1 of chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That's easy to do when you're in a room full of people praising God. But what about in the workplace when your boss has offended you? Are you distracted? Does your mind get off the heavenly things into earthly things? I can't believe he did this or she did that. tells why. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I died? Yes. You see, Jesus came as our substitute. He came down so we could go up. He came out so we could come in. He became naked so we could become clothed. He became sin so that we may be righteous. He died in our place. Our Savior is our substitute, okay? So if we believe that, then as our representative, he took our place, right? Let's say you got in trouble with the law and a benevolent person, maybe a parent, went and paid your fine. Be nice, right? You no longer owe money for that unpaid ticket or 
that warrant because the ticket expired. You get a ticket, take it seriously. Don't horse around and forget about it. Well, it was somebody else's car. It'll still come back to haunt you at the most inconvenient time. So someone pays your debt. They're representing you. They're paying a price so that you can be freed from that charge, right? So Christ did that for us so that we could be freed from charges against us. He did that as my enemy as well. He did that as the person that has offended me. He took their place. So they died too. What am I doing holding a grudge against them? Jesus paid the price for them to be forgiven. You see that? When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So I'm dead so that Christ can live in me. Now, like a rose that's been cut loose from the rose bush and is in a vase of water, it doesn't look dead, does it? A few days later, it becomes obvious, all right? In Christ, our old nature has been cut off so that we could receive the new nature. We've been grafted into the kingdom of Israel. We've been made part of the kingdom of God. We've been translated. Our citizenship has been changed. Our old citizenship is dead, expired. And this happened in Christ through his finished work on the cross. This has been called by many a mystery, but it is the central foundation of our faith that Jesus took our place so that he could live through us and we could stand in his place. And one day we will go to his place who wants to go to heaven. So because of that, verse 5, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. If you want something to die, stop feeding it, right? Cut off, separate. You want your marriage to die? Stop nurturing and loving each other and speaking kind words and doing kind acts for one another. Just stop. If you want it to live, you nurture, you give life to. These are things we are not to give life to. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These things are idolatry. The Greek word for fornication is a word from which we get the word porn. Pornos, porneo. It means sexual activity outside of a, a sexual activity outside of a relationship between husband and wife. So no matter what kind of sex it is, premarital, postmarital, same sex, whatever it is, it is all porn. It's all fornication. Now in our culture today, pornography has become synonymous with the word porn. And I understand people want to shorten things to make them seem less evil. But pornography means fornication literature. So indulging ourselves in all that things, those are things we are to put to death. These things that are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Stop giving life to those things. Stop wasting your time. Because of these things, verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So God's wrath is coming 
we don't want to be part of that number because we died with Christ, so these things would no longer live in us. But now you yourselves, verse 8, are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the things we're talking about today, we, we need to be renewed in from time to time, remind ourselves of these truths in which we believe. And these things are done according to the image of him who created not according to our image, but according to the image of the Creator. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. So these are everybody, even the person that offended you. Prejudice, grudges, malice has no place in our hearts. Christ has come to unify us. Therefore, as the elect, can you say chosen? As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. Forgive means to give before. Before they're worthy, you give them mercy. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. So you also must do. Verse 14, but above all things, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Go back to where we started, chapter 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. We're about to get into what is called positional truth. Lewis Sperry Schaefer wrote a book entitled Salvation, and he makes five points about our position with the Lord. He said these positions are not experienced, but they are facts out of which experiences grow. For example, justification is not experienced. We weren't there when Jesus paid the price to justify us. Yet the joy and peace that occurs with our justification happens when we believe. Number two, our position in Christ is not progressive. 
We do not grow or develop them from a small beginning. They are as perfect and complete the instant they are possessed as they will ever be in ages to come. For example, sonship or daughtership does not grow. As an old parent passes away, you're still a son or a daughter as much as you were the day you were born. These positions are in no way related to our merit. They are made on the standing of our unchanging Savior and the merit of the Son of God. The Christian is accepted now and forever in the beloved. These positions are eternal by their very nature. The conscience and personal realization of these positions may vary in our daily walk, but these facts abide and are never subject to change. And finally, these positions are known through revelation. They defy our imagination. They are not experience. They don't follow experience. Experience follows them. But their reality is entered into daily by believing the word of God. These eternal riches of grace are for the lowliest of sinners who will only believe. And God gives us the grace to believe. So as I declare these truths today, you find yourself believing them. That is faith God has given you. Embrace it. Do not let your mind start arguing. Yes, but that person offended me. Or yes, but I did this. No, embrace these truths. Positional truths. Number one, know our positions that we have by Christ. By Christ, we are made accepted. Ephesians 1.6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Have we been made accepted? By his grace, not by our efforts or our goofy badges. Made us accepted in the Greek is a word that's only in the New Testament one other time. It's the word karitao. It means to be highly graced, or to be greatly favored. The other place it's used in the book of Luke, when the angel Gabriel visited the Virgin Mary, told her she has been blessed by God, highly blessed, highly favored. Karitao. Now she had an assignment that we don't have. How many is glad about that? But she was highly favored. We've been highly favored with the same grace by Christ. We are being made holy by Christ. Hebrews 10, 14, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Can we say eternal? Those who are being made holy. So you see, we've been made perfect and we're being made holy. So our positional truths that we're declaring today, you may not always see them in operation in our lives, but you will. As God continues dealing with us, he makes us, he's separating us to himself, and we're beginning to let these things go, like malice and anger and other things. So as Christians, as we let our offenses go, that doesn't make us more Christians, but it helps us to be holy people because we've already been made perfect. I think sometimes we get rattled when someone offends us because we think we really are less than 
And when somebody does something, it confirms it in our heart. It resonates because of our beliefs. We feel less than, and it gets to us and hurts us. And the enemy gets to us through this. Here comes other thoughts. And we get hurt at someone who was insensitive, who was maybe mean, maybe offensive themselves because they're offended. The truth is you've been made perfect forever, and yet you're being made holy. Do you see that? Take these notes home and study them out and never let them just fall by the wayside. Oh, yeah, that was that. I was into that for a while. No, this is our foundation. We're into it all the time. In Christ, who are we in Christ? We're new creations. If anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, or look, everything has become new. Now, if you're going to be a Christian, don't be a half-hearted one, <laughs> right? Be wholehearted. Believe these things. In Christ, we are predestined. In him also, Ephesians 1 says, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Many times, people get distracted from predestination by saying who's predestined to go to heaven, who's predestined to go to hell. And, and when the word uses these, this, this word, it's not really the point. The point is God has a purpose for you. He sets you in a path for you to walk in. And through his lordship, these things are fulfilled from the foundation of the world. These things were prepared for us. We're created for good works in Christ. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We've been created in Christ for good things. We're not created in Christ by good works, but for good works. You've got to keep our prepositions right. Some people think they're saved by good works. No, we're saved for good works. We're saved by good works, the good works of Jesus, but our own good works is why we're saved. They're the fruit of his saving grace. In Christ we are brought near, but now in Christ you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We're no longer far off from the Lord. There's no longer mediators between God and man other than Jesus Christ. We come to him. In Christ we are righteous. In Philippians 3, Paul tells them that he counts everything lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ for whom he's lost everything. That I may gain Christ and be found in him who wants to be found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own which comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I think the word there in could be translated of. See, faith is the gift of God for salvation, right? Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Faith is a gift of the Spirit. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from God speaking. So it begins with him. We receive it by faith, and he gives us the faith to receive. Whoever's felt inadequate, maybe the person that offends you makes you feel inadequate. Stop it. In Christ, we are complete, Colossians 2.10. 
who's the head of all principality and power. We're in him. We're completing him. There's more to us than meets the eye. Yes, but the house I built is fallen down. Well, that doesn't speak to anything other than you did some wrong things. Maybe you took some shortcuts. Well, I must be an idiot. No, you just needed a mentor in that area. Grow as a builder, but as a believer, you're already complete in Christ. This thing's already done. Who are we to Christ? To Christ, we're his gift from the Father. In John 6, 37, 10, 39, and 17, 6, he talks about the Father giving us to him. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. So if you're the Father's gift to the Son, and he doesn't throw gifts away or re-gift them, <laughs> maybe somebody here is offended by that. A gift you gave somebody, you saw somebody else wearing, or, or you got given back at Christmas because they were forgetful, let it go. Be thankful that the ultimate gift of salvation was given to you and that you were given to the Father, uh, by the Father to the Son, and he will not cast you out. To Christ we are his bride. This is reflected in 2 Corinthians 11.2, which says, I promised you to one husband, to Christ. Ephesians 5 gets into that in Revelation 19.7. Through Christ, we are given access. Romans 5.2 and Ephesians 2.18 talk about this. Through whom we have gained access into this grace in which we now stand. Who would like to go to the United Nations and speak to all those people? Yeah, I'd like to give them a piece of my mind. Yeah. You can't do that unless you have access. Who would like to meet Queen Elizabeth? You can't just walk up to Buckingham Palace and say, hey, is the queen home? What's, what's up, girl? Uh, you've got to be given access. Well, we've been given access into the kingdom of God. Through Christ, we are reconciled. At one time, we were away from Christ, but now we've been united through what he did. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. When we were enemies... We were reconciled. If while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, how much more will he care for us? Through Christ, we are the heirs of God. Therefore, Galatians 4, 7, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ, through what he did for us. Through Christ, we are redeemed. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I'm glad to be redeemed. The world, for the most part, knows that there's a creator. They fight it, fight, you know, the evidence of design and all that stuff. But they'll talk about, well, God is our father and we're all brothers. Yes, he is our father, but... Sin separated us from him, and we need to be redeemed. And that is only available through Jesus Christ. He made the way. That's not arrogance. That's not closed-minded. That's the truth. And that's good news. Stop fighting it. Through Christ, we are the objects of his prayers, of his intercession. Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, 
because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is still standing in your place. You know, if you're in trouble with the law and you're able to afford a lawyer, the lawyer intercedes for you to the judge to, hey, we need some mercy here. Right? Maybe there's a plea bargain worked out because someone is interceding for you. Well, Jesus ever lives to intercede for us, to plead our case. And with Christ, I love these, we are crucified. We know that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. The exchange life is such a powerful truth that he came as one of us and died as us, representing us. How is that possible? Well, our forefather Adam, through one offense, committed sin, and it's been passed down to us called separation from God. So one man messed us up. One man fixed us up. Through one offense, many were made sinners. Through many offenses, many are made righteous. Getting ahead of myself in the series. Many offenses were, the ultimate of offenses were committed against the Son of God who never sinned, right? Right? So he didn't have to die because of sin. But he allowed it so that he could take our place to take the curse of sin off of us. And so we benefit as though we were the one on the cross, as though we paid. He took our place. He paid for us. With Christ we are dead, Romans 6, 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. No longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. We are buried with Christ in baptism, through baptism, with Christ, Romans 6, 4. In the act of water baptism, we act out what we believe has already happened. With Christ, we are made alive. We read this earlier, Colossians 2, 13. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And with Christ we are raised. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We've been raised. We're no longer dead. We're now alive with Christ. And so our lives should reflect that position. Hold to it. Well, I sure didn't do it yesterday. Well, today's a new day. Repent. Receive the forgiveness that's already yours and move forward and stop beating. Stop being offended at yourself. And with Christ, we are hidden. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When I hide in Him, life's pains don't have the impact they have when it's just me out there fighting the darts that are coming at me. My life is hidden. There's a little song I sing sometimes in prayer when I'm reminding myself of this, coming to a fresh place of surrender. It goes like this. My life is yours to have. I give it unto you. 
released from my own grasp. I give it unto you. It's already happened, but, but I enter into it through faith, singing this song, recognizing the facts that are already real. I give it unto you. And then the chorus is, and I rest in your hands. I rest in your hands. I rest in your hands. My life is in your hands. Laura Duncan's not here today to defend herself. Our children's pastor is visiting grandchildren. But she used to think that God held her, that her life in God was like this. This is God holding her. And one day revelation came. She realized God doesn't hold us like this. He holds us like this. Our lives are hidden with Christ. This helps us be unoffendable people if we live in light of who we are. This is how to stop taking offenses. It's not moralism. Well, I'm just not going to take offense. It's just, I'm just not. I'm Teflon. I am titanium. I am awesome. I'm this. No, he is awesome. And my life is hidden in him. And I deflect these attacks by recognizing him. Lord, you're being attacked. What are we going to do? What do you want me to do? Help me to give a soft answer. Help me to Yield to you. Help me to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that your word would bring life to every person here, that we would be Christ-centered more than ever before through your grace by the faith that you give. And Lord, when we are attacked, when we're offended, Help us to see, hey, this is a signal. I need to go and study who I am in you and not take everything personal. In Jesus' name, amen. When we do, we'll realize it's not all about us.
if you've got that, that person in mind that you need to lay down that offense, let these folks pray with you. There's no condemnation there. No condemnation. All of us have walked in that place. I might be walking in that place right now. But I want to encourage you to come down, receive prayer, leave this place this morning through God's grace, free and unoffended. Amen. Now